You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Sunday afternoon. You're listening on a Monday morning, and we have plenty of Michigan State news to get to. Uh, We will talk some transfer portal. We will talk some recruiting. We will talk the, the, the main point today is doing a roster reset, and we wanted to kind of tie this in with National Signing Day you know, as a Michigan State fan, there wasn't a whole lot going on, right? So you, we kind of wanted to take this more in the direction of let's kind of reset this thing and look at at each position, quarterback, running back, we'll do the offense today. And who's outgoing, whether it's from graduation, from the transfer portal, from uh, NFL draft, whatever, who's coming in again via transfer portal, via recruiting, and just kind of resetting ourselves and looking at each position group. We'll, we're not going full deep dive here today. Uh, we'll do that throughout the spring for each position, but just kind of looking at the depth chart and kind of where everything stands going into 2022 right now. Obviously, there's some transfer portal stuff that's probably still coming down the line, but we will do that as kind of our focus here, but a lot to get to starting with Scott, the biggest news, maybe in all of football, honestly, you know, it's this dead week before the Super Bowl, and everywhere was talking Jim Harbaugh and I'll just kind of kick it over to you and we'll try to figure out what the hell happened and also uh, what that means for us as Michigan state fans. So Jim Harbaugh, the saga continues, ends. I, I don't know how you want to look at it, but where are we starting here with, with Jim Harbaugh returning to Michigan? Well, yeah, there's a lot of um, speculation about obviously what happened. Um, so as we were preparing for this episode, I was trying to kind of parse through, like, what do we know for sure, right? Jim Harbaugh went to Minnesota to interview and on he came back signing day. as Michigan's football coach on national signing day. He, he returned as Michigan's football coach. Uh, it sounds like there wasn't an offer depending on who you ask that you'll get a different story on why there wasn't an offer, but 
he's back and uh yeah he's he's fully committed you know he said <laughs> a super bowl is obviously the best prize in football but like a national championship's not bad so let's go and do that which i don't know if i were a michigan Just a ringing football fan or a michigan football. player i don't know what i could hear that would excite me more than going for jim harbaugh's consolation prize um but jim harbaugh's back my stance in all of this, you know, our, our fans definitely got dragged uh, down into the kind of the weeds in the one. And there were some ugly takes. It, it was a week. And I said earlier, I'm glad after we record here, hopefully we won't really have to touch this anymore. Cause I think everyone's a little bit tired of it, but we hadn't touched it yet. So we have it um, as a Michigan state fan, there were no bad outcomes situation either mid football coach who just took them off was leaving the program or he kind of went out and speed dated. Uh, and I know people, some people don't like the, the relationship um, parallels. And I understand that because it is a job, but he went out there and he, he tested the waters. He dipped his toe and uh, made it pretty clear that he's looking for some, a new challenge that Michigan's not really his, his, uh, his Everest is not Everest anymore, you know, and, and college football isn't, and and he's back now. And he did it, like you said, on national signing day, there's going to be reverberations from this, um, in recruiting in his own staff, his own players. And yeah, I mean, there's damage control. It could be worse, I'm sure than what it is, but as a Michigan state fan, Look, it was an ugly, ugly, ugly month for Michigan football. And uh, and we just kept churning. So to have your in-state rival go through that turmoil, I mean, I don't know. I tried to just kick my feet back, feet up and enjoy the show. And, uh, I mean, our head coach is 2-0 against Jim Harbaugh. So I, I don't know how you could be too upset as a Michigan State fan to hear the news that he's coming back. Yeah, a lot. A lot of people were given the the comparison with like you're you're leaving your wife to to go meet a girlfriend or something. And I I was looking at it through the lens of the the high school junior who's convinced that he's going to you know Harvard, and he applies to Michigan State, but as like a safety school, you know. And he walks around school all year talking about you guys are going to Michigan State, like. I'll be at Harvard, but you know, Hey, we'll keep in touch. Ha <laughs> ha. And then suddenly he doesn't get into Harvard and he has to crawl back to Michigan state with his tail between his legs and nobody wants him there. You know, that the, he just spent the whole year talking about how, you know, talking down on, on Michigan state, Michigan state doesn't want him there because, you know, he didn't even want to be there really. And it's like, it's, it's a lose-lose situation, and it's kind of the same deal with Harbaugh being back at Michigan. Like, he clearly doesn't – isn't 100% locked in and focused on, on the University of Michigan. And if you're the University of Michigan and their fans, like, you probably are kind of looking at him sideways, just kind of, all right, man, like, you don't even really want to be here. Like, why are you, why are you still here? I, I don't want you here. It's – it's a hilarious situation. And, and the fact that he didn't get the offer and then comes back and says, you know, Hey, I, I, I changed my mind. I'm, I'm, I want to be the head coach at Michigan. It's so funny. And then, you know, of course, 
in the most predictable headline and an article on the planet. Mitch Album writes his his yearly fluff piece on how, you know, for a man whose who's, uh, enthusiasm is unmatched, these things are important to him. And if Minnesota wasn't 100% bought in, then, you know, he didn't even want to be that. It's, it's hysterical. And, you know, like you said, it's, I think this is best case scenario for Michigan State because it's going to be more difficult for Harbaugh now. I mean, you, he doesn't have a defensive coordinator right now. He's got to go make a big hire. And how many people out there with with legitimate offers on the table with with good jobs in place right now are going to look at Harbaugh and Michigan and say, like, yeah, that's a stable program that I want to latch myself onto for the next few years of my career. Um, How many high school recruits? I mean, the the funny thing for me and, you know, again, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the funniest part for me is how much his transparency was glorified throughout this. And the way I'm looking at it is the transparency side and him telling all of his staff and all of his recruits and all of his players uh, about it every step of the way. That's great when you leave, right? That's great when you leave and then everybody can look back and say, you know what? Hey, like he left, but, at the end of the day, he was open with everybody. He puts them in, you know, he didn't put them in a terrible position because they could at least see it coming. But it's not great when you come back and then and suddenly everybody knows, you know, like so so with recruits now it's it's not even, you know, when when Mel Tucker was being talked about for LSU, Mel Tucker could walk into any living room, look their dad in the eye and say like, I had no intentions of leaving. I never even had any conversations with them. I was Michigan state the whole way through. I just signed a 10 year contract. I'm here. No questions asked. I will be here for the four years that your kids here. Whereas Jim Harbaugh goes into that same father and looks him dead in the eye and be like, yeah, uh, yeah, I thought about leaving. I kind of wanted to go. I took an interview and well, they didn't want me. So I guess I'm back. And, and that's just a very different conversation. So best case scenario for Michigan state, Jim Harbaugh is back. Even at his absolute peak season, we still beat him. So uh, if that doesn't spread some optimism in the Michigan state fan base, I don't know what will Um, good times, good times at uh, good time to be a Spartan, good time to be in East Lansing and and to be, uh, you know, on Twitter, making funny arrival. So yeah, any, and, and I mean, Michigan, Michigan was probably in a pretty good place to, to find a new coach, right? I mean, it was late, late in the cycle, but you have kind of the, the insurance plan of Josh Gaddis, which I, I think wouldn't have been a terrible hire for them had they been looking for their next head coach, you know, he just won assistant coach or coordinator of the year, uh, however they word it. Um, pretty good offensive mind uh, with some good offensive talent coming in. Uh, now and coming off a playoff appearance. Now you've got Jim Harbaugh. All you can do is either back it up with another great season, which is going to be a huge challenge. They're still in the big 10 East or you start to slide back. And I mean, another season eight and four, seven and five, even nine and three. And people are going to be like, Oh, it's still, it's still just Jim Harbaugh. 
you know, yeah, he had that one year, but if they regress back to the Jim Harbaugh mean, I don't know. They're going to be in a really tough spot. Again, it's, it's hard to fire a coach who wins nine games a year. Um, and they're right back to it. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's great. I love being Jim Harbaugh's rival. He certainly provides the podcast with plenty to talk about uh, as we're doing now. And uh, hopefully it'll continue for years to come. And Jim Harbaugh's main goal in his career, as stated, is the Super Bowl. And Scott, we are a week away from the Super Bowl. How about that for a transition? DraftKings, our official spart- our, our official sponsor and partner here, uh, the official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56 is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, which means you can bet from almost a third of the country. So if you're listening, about 33% of you uh, can bet with DraftKings. If the sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Context for Super Bowl 56. New customers get free shot at $1 million as the top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Oh my gosh, the 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 things changed here. All right, let's see how fast I can get through this uh, in a whole new terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY. That's hope with H-O-P-E. Or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. Uh, I think we did okay there for, uh, for a surprise change in the terms and conditions. Uh, lots of news here to get to, Scott. We will start with Connor Hayward. Quick hitter here. Uh, he was in the senior bowl all week, uh, the week of practices. And then the senior bowl game was, uh, yesterday on Saturday or two days ago, as you're listening, uh, the, the reports coming out of practice that he, he played pretty well. A lot of people were praising his versatility, his route running, um, you know, his ability to be that blocking fullback, but also to go out and run some routes as a tight end, uh, didn't really get to do a whole lot or showcase a whole lot in the game. They were calling, if you saw the clip on Twitter where uh, Dan Campbell was calling a fullback dive for him and, and it was in the middle of a sideline interview with Dan Campbell, they were having some fun and uh, there was unfortunately a false start. So they, they ended up not mattering, but uh, he, he had a catch for a negative couple yards. They threw him a screen pass and it just wasn't very well blocked. Uh, in the game, but it sounds like he had a pretty good week of practices for himself. So hopefully he can get himself on some draft boards. Uh, any big takeaways there for, for Connor Hayward? No, no, I mean, a week uh, getting developed by NFL coaches, albeit the Lions coaches. Um, he did have a fourth and one conversion in the senior bowl. He got about three yards. He got 
contacted behind the line and pushed him for a couple yards, which is actually going back to his running back days at Michigan state, something that he didn't do a whole lot of, I think, <laughs> which it, it made me chuckle that that was his one highlight coming out of the game. He always seemed like a guy who didn't always fall forward, even though he's a little top heavy um, when he was playing running back, but it's exciting. I love seeing him get, his due credit i mean we've talked about the the character arc that he's had with michigan state and if you told me two years ago he'd be getting chatter about you know a, thir- a day three draft pick i think most msu fans would probably chuckle and ask what what tape you're watching or what player you're talking about um and now it's come full circle the challenge he's going to run into is there's not a whole lot of nfl offenses that that really need that h back um but there's also not a whole lot of prospects coming out of college football who really fill that well enough to play that position in the NFL. So I think you're seriously looking at a chance we'll see him drafted, which is a heck of a transition from where we were two years ago with Connor Hayward. And I I think everyone in Spartan nation at this point is rooting wholeheartedly for him to find his way to an NFL roster. Yep. So beyond that, uh, we hired, so this was news that came out right after we finished recording last week. So it's, it's a little dated, but Marco Coleman was brought on as the defensive line coach to replace Ron Burton, uh, former defensive end with Georgia tech. He is actually their all-time leading, uh, sack leader, their all-time sack leader at Georgia tech with 28 career sacks. He was a pro bowler, had a long NFL, I think 15 year NFL career, uh, coached a year on the defensive line with the Oakland Raiders before heading back to his alma mater at Georgia Tech and coaching outside linebackers and defensive line for the last three years. So Marco Coleman joining uh, Brandon Jordan, uh, coaching the defensive lineman here for Michigan State. We had Ma'a Nauteote, some transfer portal stuff, Ma'a Nauteote not leaving he is coming back. He he has withdrawn his name from the portal. So, you know, erase all of the takes that we had about Ma'anoteote leaving. Next week, we're going to do the roster reset on the defensive side of the ball. And, and I think that's where a conversation is really, it gets really interesting with the linebackers and Ma'anoteote's spot in that. So we'll spend more time on that next week. Uh, And the other transfer portal stuff, uh, which we will talk about more in depth here in a moment as we reset the offensive side of the roster. Uh, Some news again last week, we just missed out on this, but we brought in Colorado running back, former Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, Jarek Broussard, uh, who will look to establish himself in the Michigan State run game as we become like transfer RBU. And then uh, Daniel Barker, who comes in the tight end from Illinois, more of a pass catching guy. He is the career touchdowns leader from tight ends at, uh, at Illinois. So he's a grad transfer. He's got another year of eligibility. I messaged our guy, Big Kurt, who is the, one of the co-hosts of the Eyes on Big, Big Ten podcast. He is an Illinois guy. He was telling me that Barker is a future pro pass catcher, pretty athletic guy. So uh, we'll see what he can bring to the tight end room, which we will talk about more in depth here in a second. And then Scott, uh, something I want your take on here as national signing day came and went 
didn't have any additions to the 2022 class, but we made a little splash here in the 2023 class. Uh, Brandon Jordan's uh, coaching and, and more his recruiting prowess for the defensive lineman paying off right away. Defensive lineman, top 150 recruit, Andrew DePepe, which we didn't clarify how to pronounce it, but that's the most fun way. So that's what we're going with. Defensive lineman out of Iowa. And interior offensive lineman, he's been playing center at Martin Luther King, Jonathan Slack, high three-star kid uh, who has been protecting Dante Moore. So Scott, Jonathan Slack, Andrew DePepe, what are your thoughts here as we start to uh, start chipping away here at the 2023 class? Well, I've been talking about this 23 class and what I expect from it on the last couple episodes. So I'll try to be short, continuing to lay the groundwork for one of the best classes that we've seen at Michigan State. If we continue with this momentum and, and on this trend, I think this is going to be maybe the best class we've ever seen at Michigan State since, you know, recruiting, high school recruiting, recruiting rankings stream. Um, yeah, I mean, Andrew DePepe, top 150 guy, Jonathan Slack, top 400 guy out of the all the classes in the country of the ones that only have four commits right now, I think we are third in the country behind Ohio state. And there was one more don't have it in front of me. Um, average recruit rating on two, four, seven of uh, nine uh, point nine zero nine three uh, to put that in perspective last year, it was a 0.87 uh, currently ranked ninth in the nation. Um, it's very early. Those numbers don't really mean a whole lot right now, other than we're bringing in some dogs. And it's really exciting. Uh, we were asked on Twitter this past week at some point if uh, Jordan was the best, <laughs> the best assistant coach hire in the history of the program. I'm not ready to answer that. There have been quite a few uh, assistant coaches in the history of Michigan State. That said, I will say it's probably the most progressive hire we've ever made. And what I mean by that, when you look at what's being said about this hire by recruits, many, many recruits have said, I was aware of him from social media before I ever heard about this hire. This is a guy who has built his own personal coaching brand, not necessarily in, in the traditional sense of become a grad assistant, make connections, get an off the field analyst role, get an on the field role. He just started training dudes, putting his information out there online, teaching guys virtually, spreading his wealth of knowledge and doing it in a way that connects with recruits where they are, where their attention is on social media. It, it plays perfectly into what Mel Tucker's doing right now, trying to be a 21st century program, trying to be a really a cutting edge program and, and it's paying off. I mean, Andrew DePepe, he said Michigan state a month ago, wasn't really on my radar. Now he's our top commit in the 2023 class. Just like that. He specifically said this hire brought his attention into Michigan state and made this decision a lot easier. And he is the first of, I think many who feel the same way. It was a great hire yet to be seen if it's quote unquote, the best hire ever. Uh, I don't think we'll ever really, do the research it takes to, to firmly answer that question, but it probably is my favorite 
hire Mel Tucker has made just in, in terms of how I think it's going to impact our recruiting, impact our program. I think it's it just speaks volumes to the plan that Mel Tucker has and the fact that every decision he makes that touches the program in any corner of the program, it's planned, it's intentional, and I think it's going to pay off. Yeah, so I I, I like your your thought process there. And like you said, I mean, the best recruiting uh, or the best assistant coach hire of all time, maybe a lot. What was Mark D'Antonio a, a, an assistant coach hire before he was head coach at some point? Cause like laying the groundwork for that might be more impactful. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's certainly already paying dividends. And when you start to read into some of the guys he has connections with and, some of the guys were bringing in to the building already as a direct result of that hire. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to argue the impact of him already to this point. So it's, it's going to be really exciting to kind of keep following that and see who we can keep bringing in here. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the recruiting side. It, we're coming up on a, a bit of a dead period here. So probably won't see any recruiting or, or probably really any transfer news here in the next month or so. Um, so once March and spring ball and stuff starts off, we'll probably be getting some more news, but we might be a little bit dry here for the next uh, few weeks. So let's get into our roster reset. Like I said, today, we're not going full deep dive. What we're going to do is, is kind of give you, uh, we'll try to visualize it a little bit for you. Who's going out, who's coming in. I have made like a whole spreadsheet because it's hard to keep up with. Uh, but we'll try to visualize it as best we can for you. And then we'll, you know, get to a couple kind of main talking points with each of these groups. We'll try to keep it relatively quick here. Again, when we get to spring football, we're going to go full deep dive on each position group, breaking down like potential depth charts and who we think is going to start, who we think is going to get more reps, who's going to rotate in and everything. Today is, is more of a, a general overview of some of these groups and, and kind of refreshing our memory. Cause even for me, you know, we're knee deep in the weeds of this stuff. And there were even guys where I'm like, Oh wait, I forgot we're bringing this guy in or man, this guy's graduating. Isn't he like, I wonder who's going to fill that spot. So we're going to go through, I'm going to start obviously with the quarterback, excuse me. That was weird. Start with the quarterbacks here. Uh, we'll go through the, the entire offense. Now quarterback is a pretty quick one outgoing. Uh, to the hopefully to the NFL or to maybe the CFL or something. I don't know. Hopefully his football career continues. Anthony Rousseau, who was brought in as the grad transfer from Temple last year. Incoming is Caton Hauser, the four-star recruit. So obviously still on the roster, you have Peyton Thorne, you have Noah Kim, you have Hamp Fay, you have Zach Gillespie and Andrew Shorefar. Um, a couple guys who are, are former walk-ons or scholarship guys that probably won't be making an impact. But Scott, I think the, the important part here, obviously we know Peyton Thorne's coming into 2022 as the starter, as the leader of the offense and all of that. And then behind him now, you had Anthony Rousseau, who was a very experienced guy, where if anything happened to Peyton Thorne, if he got injured sometime throughout the year, you had a guy you felt pretty comfortable bringing in because he's he's been a starter for a long time. He's seen it all. You have that whole narrative. So with Anthony Rousseau gone, you really have no experience at the backup quarterback spot, which 
the backup quarterback is not important until it is right until something happens. So knock on wood, hopefully nothing happens here, but Noah Kim, is it Hamp Faye? Is it Caden Hauser? Like if, if you had to call your shot today, I gave you a hundred bucks and said, if you, if you correctly predict the number two on the depth chart week one of 2022, um, you know, I'll give you 10 to one odds or whatever. Like if you had to call your shot today, who would be the number two in, in behind Peyton Thorne? This is an unfair question, given how much tape <laughs> we have on these three guys in at the college level. If it was after spring ball, I probably might. We'll see if I feel a little bit more confident about this. Uh, um, I don't think any of them have taken a single college snap. Certainly, obviously not Kate Hauser, but I don't think Noah Kim or Hamp Fay, not even a kneel down. Uh, that I'm aware of. So no. we're really going off nothing here. Um, God, <laughs> I, I wasn't prepared for this. I week one, I think Kate and Hauser's probably not in there just because he hasn't had as much time in the program and your backup quarterback, you're looking for somebody stable more than somebody with high upside. Um, I'm, ugh. I guess I'll go with Noah Kim because yep. he's been at the program that's the, the right longest. Um, Hamp Faye has a year under his belt in the program now, but Noah Kim, at least two, I can't remember what uh, recruiting class he's in, but he's been around for at least two years. Um, he's been taking scout team reps. He's been taking third team reps. Um, but this conversation, this is where I'll leave it, is the – the first thing I'll be looking for in spring ball, because obviously spring ball, you've got two teams going up against each other. Peyton Thorne will be rolling out leading one of those. There's going to be a competition in spring ball for number two. And we're going to get to see these guys finally try to make throws. Hamp Faye, Noah Kim both got their chance a little bit in spring ball last year, but it was really about Peyton Thorne, Anthony Rousseau leading those first and second teams. This year, we're going to see these guys, and there's going to be a competition here, and there's going to be a little bit of stakes in here. If you, if Peyton Thorne continues to develop, there's a chance he could go after next. Uh-oh, we might have lost. We might've lost Scott here. I don't know if, if the people can hear him, but I certainly can't. So I will try to pick up where he left off here and we'll try to get these technical difficulties sorted out. Um, I, I was thinking Noah Kim here for the backups. <laughs> okay. We <laughs> can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Uh, so I don't, we just kind of lost our, our zoom meeting here. I don't know how that's going to sound to the people at home. I'll, I'll be very interested to find out, um, but according to our zoom meeting, we're still recording here. So we're going to keep rolling. Uh, Scott, I'll, I'll try to pick up where we left off where I heard you last. Um, it's, it is going to be an interesting spring battle. And, you know, I would think Noah Kim is the backup because you remember, last year in the spring and, and even towards fall camp and Mel Tucker kept making comments almost unsolicited at times about how well Noah Kim prepared 
right? He knows the playbook like the back of his hand. And when you're bringing in a backup, I think that's kind of what you're looking for. You're not looking for the guy that's going to go out and make big throws and win the game for you. You want a guy who can go in, keep everything steady, knows the playbook. He's not going to just totally screw it up out there. Um, hopefully, you know, lean on the running game and just get it quickly to your playmakers and, and try to move the ball down the field. So uh, I think Noah Kim would be that guy right now. But like you said, we got a lot of time to figure that out. Running backs, this is is really interesting because last year you had Kenneth Walker, who was your A++ Doak Walker Award winner, best running back in the country. And behind him, you had like, C minus. I don't like we saw in the Peach Bowl live and in person, like Jordan Simmons, Eli Collins, Harold Joyner, they all got their cracks at it and none of them did anything. And I know, you know, it's it's a tough pit defense with Pat Narduzzi, but that's also a pit defense that was given up like 40 points multiple times in the year. It's it wasn't, you know, like you're going up against this, you know, brick wall like Georgia, right? So now you bring Kenneth Walker's out. And you have two transfers incoming, Jalen Berger and Jarek Broussard. Uh, Jalen Berger, who was a true freshman at Wisconsin and was getting a, a, a load of carries. I mean, he was getting like 14 carries a game for the first few games in his career. And the Wisconsin people even, and people around the Big Ten were thinking, all right, here's the next Melvin Gordon. Here's the next Jonathan Taylor. Here's the next Monty Ball. Here's the next James White. Here's the next great Wisconsin running back comes in as a true freshman right away. First couple games of his career against big 10 opponents takes a pretty good workload and, and off he goes. And then there were some disagreements. He leaves the program. He comes into Michigan state and then Jarek Broussard. We just stole him from Colorado. Again, former PAC 12 offensive player of the year has shown a lot of, of explosive play ability. Uh, you know, just from watching his highlights, he doesn't have the long speed that Kenneth Walker has. So where Kenneth Walker would break a couple tackles and rip off 70 yards, uh, Jarek Broussard might break a couple tackles and rip off 40 yards. Uh, I think that's kind of the biggest difference between the two, but, uh, nonetheless, I think the, the conversation that's interesting is instead of having a plus plus and then C minus behind him. Now you have two B plus guys and then question marks behind them. So um, I've seen people say like, this could make the offense even better. Like, no, two guys, even two good guys. I don't think equal what Kenneth Walker did as one, but I, I do think that we can sustain a good running game. Scott, like, where do you see, you know, this running back room, whether it's about Jalen Berger and Jarek Broussard, whether it's about the guys behind them, what's kind of standing out as your quick hitter with this running backs? Yeah, I think if you could put Jalen Berger and Jarek Broussard together into one player, you might be starting to approach Kenneth Walker uh, again without the top end speed. But at the end of the day, you can only get the ball into one player's hands at a time. And it's going to be, you're lacking that eraser um, that's what the offensive line called Kenneth Walker. He erased their mistakes because he had the athleticism and the speed to make one or two guys miss in the backfield and still have not only a positive play, but a potentially explosive play. These guys, Jalen Berger, Jarek Broussard, both bring a ton to the table, 
but you still are going to have to do more to put them in a position to succeed than we did for Kenneth Walker last season. We'll get to the offensive line, but I think you need a lot better offensive line play to make this backfield look anything like what we had last year. Um, That said, these two guys are both very dynamic players. Jalen Berger, a little bit more of a power guy, likes to run between the tackles. Um, Jarek Broussard, did run between the tackles at Colorado quite a bit, but 5'8", a little bit undersized. Um, he's got that quickness. He's got that fast twitch, but again, lacking that top end speed. I think it's still a great one-two punch. Um, and having a one-two punch like that insulates you a little bit from an injury situation. You looked at when Kenneth Walker's ankle was dinged up or you know the Peach Bowl. We didn't really have anywhere to turn once you lose that first guy. These two guys, if one of them were to go down, knock on wood, hopefully that does not happen, Um, you're not left with an empty cabinet, um, which is obviously a great position to be in. Now, both of these guys have question marks. Neither of them have played in the Big Ten. Jalen Berger's heart, well, Jalen Berger has slightly, but he's hardly played at all. Um, And we're going to have to see what this looks like. Jalen Berger was also running behind a Wisconsin offensive line. I mentioned we'll talk about the offensive line, but I don't think we're going to have a typical Wisconsin offensive line this season. So um, I expect to take a little bit of a step back in the running game this year, but I think it is plenty to supplement the rest of the offense. And uh, I'm excited to see what these two can do. And maybe one of the guys who's still sitting around uh, waiting for his opportunity will surprise us this season as well. Yeah. And, and Jordan Simmons, Eli Collins, Donovan Eaglin, Davion Prim, they're all guys that are eligible for the one-time transfer. Uh, Harold Joyner already transferred in. So if he wants to leave as well, he's going to have to sit out a year, which is interesting guys that, you know, kind of see their playing time reduced. So wide receivers, we, we have a little bit more movement here. So leaving the program, you had Jalen Naylor, who entered the NFL draft, Jazz Watts, who graduated, and then two guys entered the transfer portal, Ian Stewart and Ricky White. Incoming, you have four recruits. You have Jeremy Bernard, the four-star out of Nevada, Antonio Gates Jr., four-star out of Michigan, Tyrell Henry, and Jerron Glover rounded out both three-star recruits. So four heading out, four coming in, obviously still with the program and still with multiple years of eligibility. You have Jaden Reed, Trey Mosley, Keon Coleman, Montori Foster, Christian Fitzpatrick, Terry Lockett. Uh, you have a lot of guys who at, at one point in their careers, at least, you know, were being talked about as like, hey, this guy could fill a, a pretty big role here at Michigan State. So you know, obviously you have the star power in Jaden Reed. You have a guy in Trey Mosley who has made a lot of plays already in his career. And then I think the interesting part is that third and fourth spot that's available. You know, our, our offense primarily is running three wide receivers out there. And at times you're putting four. So who are those guys going to be? Is it going to be Keon Coleman, Montori Foster, uh, guys who we saw little bits and pieces of last year, Christian Fitzpatrick. Can one of these freshmen come in? Jeremy Bernard, you know, Antonio Gates, can they come in as a true freshman and, and make that kind of impact? If you're going to do it, you know, wide receiver is a position that I think that type of jump is possible. So, Scott, where does your mind go when you're thinking about this wide receiver group? You know, you got to replace Jalen Naylor uh, and the rest of these guys outgoing were 
not as impactful, especially in this last year, but I, I think there's some, some opportunity available for guys who want to take it. Yeah, this, this group's one of the most fun to pay attention to in this offseason. Um, it's loaded. We've talked about it before. There's, quite frankly, there's too many good players in this, in this wide receiver room. Um, coming out of spring ball, I would be shocked if someone did not transfer out of the program. That's usually when you see the second wave of transfers. You get it after the season for the first wave and after spring ball for the second wave once they kind of see how the pecking order is starting to take shape. There's just too many talented guys. I mean, you've got between Jaden Reed, Trey Mosley, Keon Coleman, Montori Foster, Christian Fitzpatrick, uh, Terry Lockett, three really talented wide receivers in Jeremy Bernard, Antonio Gates, Tyrell Henry on their way in, and a couple guys filling out the room. There's just too much talent in this room. If they can keep it all together, more power to this coaching staff in this program. I don't really, I, I think it's just, it's, a great problem to have, but there's way too much talent in this room. Um, if I had to bank on one guy, I thought would take the reins here as that number three. I think Keon Coleman has the highest upside. I think we can move Jaden Reed to to a predominantly a slot role, um, and and play Trey Mosley and Keon Coleman on the outside. And I think that's I think, our best three. I think Mosley would stick more in the slot because Reed playing outside this year was our most dynamic player. And I think Mosley, you know, ran really good routes out of the slot and, and was really productive out of the slot. He's, he's really good at that kind of shallow cross, find the soft spot between the linebackers or, you know, in between the corner and the safeties. I, I think I, I would keep Jaden Reed outside. Yeah, he did make plenty of one-on-one -on -one plays. Um, I guess it's a good problem to have too. You know, we've got versatility in this group, um, but it's a great group to have. It seems like it is a group we can bank on being a strength of this offense. I'd be hard. It would be hard to imagine a situation where our wide receivers turned into a weakness. Uh, not too much to say here other than we're loaded with talent and I'm excited to see how the pecking order um, fleshes out over the course of the spring and uh, summer camps. Yeah, again, with you know, with how many guys you typically get on the field in a year, it's a good position to have a lot of depth. So that's going to be a fun one to follow. And you know, kind of looking ahead quick to next year, Jaden Reed is going to be heading out, and is probably the only guy again heading out. So that opens up only one more spot for it. So it's going to be fascinating the next couple of years. Tight end, uh, we just talked about him. Connor Hayward is heading to the NFL, hopefully. And then you've got three more guys who each had their kind of moments. You had Cameron Allen, who was a freshman last year, who we were pretty excited about. He has entered the transfer portal. He committed to SMU, I believe. Trenton Gillison, who had that huge bowl game against Wake Forest and then just never really did anything else. He entered the transfer portal. I don't remember if he's committed anywhere yet. And then uh, Tyler Hunt is graduating. This is kind of a question more that I, I forgot to like fully 100% confirm this. He was a redshirt senior last year, but I guess, you know, he, with the 2020 eligibility, I have to, to confirm that, but he was a redshirt senior. So we'll go off the assumption that he's gone. So that leaves still on the roster, Malik Carr, uh, Adam Berghorst, Parks Gissinger, Powers Warren, and then incoming through uh, the portal was Daniel Barker from Illinois, who we mentioned a, a little while ago. And then two recruits who were pretty highly thought of, Jack Nickel 
and Michael Masunis both bringing their own kind of blend of, of blocking and pass catching. So I, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of people were really hyping up the Malik Carr breakout year next year, myself included. And then all of a sudden we bring in an NFL caliber grad transfer tight end in Daniel Barker. So I know Jay Johnson loves using his tight ends, but you know, just anecdotally, I don't remember a whole lot of, of sets last year that we saw two tight ends on the field at the same time. Now, obviously it's a position that, that gets rotated out in and out quite a bit, but you know, I, I do think that Daniel Barker coming in is going to delay the full Malik car breakout that, you know, we've been predicting a little bit, Right. But uh, I, I think there is some fun incoming players here with with Masunis and Nickel again, two really exciting tight end prospects. So I think this room is in good shape for the foreseeable future. Yeah, you look at the uh, quarterback battle we had last year, we brought in Anthony Rousseau to add competition to the room and to pressure Peyton Thorne into being a better player. Um, I think that's what we see in Daniel Barker here. I think you've got Daniel Barker and Malik Carr both. Um, ready to take a big role in this offense. And they're both going to have to fight for that role. Uh, I think that's not to say Daniel Barker is going to play a lot more than Malik Carr or vice versa. Um, but I think competition's always healthy without the addition of Daniel Barker. You're looking at Malik Carr, I think as a pretty clear tight end one, and then not a whole lot behind him. That's, that's field ready. I mean, I think Jack Nickel is going to be an excellent tight end. I think Michael Masunas maybe has a little bit more to fine tune, but also could be a great tight end in due time. But without that addition of Barker, you're pretty much putting all your chips in one uh, on one player in Malik Carr. And let's face it, Malik Carr, while he's an exciting prospect, hasn't, done a whole lot yet i mean he's certainly shown flashes but yeah, trenton like six catches showed... last year or something you know <laughs> right i mean trenton gillison showed flashes at the end of the 2019 season i think um yeah and never really panned out so i think it's great to add competition to add insulation at this position and uh it's it's always great to have options it takes a little bit of pressure off malik Carr. Again, still has three years of eligibility. So even if Daniel Barker takes the predominant role here at tight end, Malik Carr's got plenty of time to make an impact. Um, it's an exciting group. I don't think Tyler Hunt is done. I, I will just throw that out there. <laughs> I think he'll be around, but I think he was always kind of an insurance plan at tight end. I don't don't mean that as a, as a negative, but he does have kind of a lower ceiling than a lot of these guys. Um, and does a lot of the forget. little things well. Let's not forget he's got a heck of an arm. If you remember that play against Indiana <laughs> and the leg, <laughs> um, but yeah, I Versatile think piece. now that we've got some serious talent at that position, you'll probably see him back in more of like a, a reserve tight end in, in special teams role. Um, but I'm excited to see what they do with this position. You mentioned Jay Johnson loves his tight ends. And uh, I think we've got, with the addition of Daniel Barker, some really great options at this position. Yeah. So to clarify, I have him pulled up here. He will return for a sixth season in 2022. He graduated with his bachelor's degree in agribusiness in May, 2021. So uh, he will be back for his grad senior season, uh, sixth year in East Lansing. So uh, one more trip around the East Lansing bar scene for Tyler Hunt. 
the offensive linemen, this, this is a group that I think is going to be spent. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about because it's really important and it's, it's really hard to figure out what's going on here. So kind of trying to separate it a little bit, but the conversation will, will kind of lump them together. So offensive tackle, depending on how you want to classify a couple of these guys, Outgoing, you have A.J. R. Curie graduating. You have Luke Campbell graduating. You have Kevin Jarvis, whether you want to put him at tackle or guard, he is out the door. Dan Van Opstal is out the door. On the interior offensive line, outgoing, you have Matt Allen, who's been starting at center the last few years. Big Blake Boyder, who has started plenty of games at guard over the last few years as kind of that sixth offensive lineman. Jacob Asaya has entered the transfer portal. James Ohanba has entered the transfer portal. So you have eight guys heading out the door. Uh, I would say six of which have played somewhat significant snaps over the last couple of years. And incoming, you have four, all recruits, all true freshmen. So Ashton Lepo and Braden Miller, both three-star offensive tackle prospects, and Gavin Brocious and Christian Big Dooley Phillips both interior offensive line products. So you have eight guys heading out the door and you're only bringing in four, none of them from the transfer portal so far. So that's kind of my first point here is that I would, I would be, I would be floored if we didn't bring in a starting caliber offensive lineman in the portal before this off season is finished. It's just, it's such a big position of need right now. So you're looking at the roster at tackle. You're currently sitting with Jarrett Horst with another year of eligibility, Spencer Brown, uh, Brandon Baldwin, and then a couple young players, Ethan Boyd, Gino Vandemark, and then Ashton Lepo, Braden Miller, who are bringing in this year. And then uh, on the interior uh, remaining on the roster, you have JD Duplain with a couple more years, Matt Carrick with one more year of eligibility, Nick Samak, Dallas Fincher, Kevin Wigginton, uh, a young player. He was a 2021 recruit. And then the two incoming guys. So you really only have five guys on this roster with any significant experience playing. And obviously on the offensive line, you start five guys. So this is a position group that I think we are definitely not done with. And, uh, but, but looking at the guys we do have here, Scott, I, like where, where's the first place your mind goes when you think about the offensive line? The first place my mind goes is Chris Kapilovich. Um, a lot has been talked about with Chris Kapilovich, the fact that he's basically Mel Tucker's right-hand man. He's our highest paid um, position coach and he's going to have to earn it this year. You mentioned we have five guys with playing experience on this offensive line. J.D. Duplain was a starter most of last year. Jarrett Horst was a starter about half of last year before he had some injuries and some other things that precluded him from um, taking some starts near the second half of that year. And then you've got Matt Carrick, who is always a rotational guy. Um, Nick Samak, who split time with Matt Allen at center. So both of those guys have experience, but never really took hold of a starting position and are in the second half of their careers at Michigan State. And Spencer Brown, who came on very late last year, um, but separated himself, I think, from the wealth of other younger guys who were looking to uh, to break out last season. 
the rest of that's the rest of them just have chatter. Brandon Baldwin has been getting compliments, um, but we haven't seen him on the field and the rest haven't really seen the field at all. So it's going to come down to development. Now you've got a lot of guys who have been in the program for one or two years under Chris Kapovich, and we don't know at all how they're progressing. And we're going to find out very quickly. Um, we've got a starting five. Well, theoretically a starting five of Horst, Duplain, Samak, Carrick, and Brown, who all of them have question marks. And behind that, it's just one giant question mark. So yeah, this is, I'm, I'm really interested coming out of spring to see like who are the names that you know the coaching staff keeps bringing up in the in their media availability you know we 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 love what we see out of Gino Vandemark he's been playing with an edge you know he's been spending a lot of time in the field like we're going to start to get those nuggets and I'm fascinated to see which players you know that keep getting brought up because that's kind of that sign of like you know Kapilovich has had like four press availabilities in the last two weeks. And he's mentioned this guy like every time, right? You start to get those little nuggets. Um, I'm fascinated to see who that's going to be because no experience whatsoever behind these guys. Yeah. And last season going into the season, we were looking at who's going to be the quarterback and what the heck are we going to do at cornerback? Those were really, I think the two scariest positions Offensive line is by far the story for this team it's early terrifying. in the offseason. It's terrifying. Uh, we, we have so much skill on the offense at our skill positions next year that I think is ready to break out. We could have a phenomenal offense, but it's all resting on the shoulders of what this offensive line can do. Chris Kavlovich gets paid the big bucks, assistant head, associate head coach, assistant head coach, run game coordinator, offensive line coach, He's been getting praised since the day we brought him over from Colorado with Mel Tucker, and it's time to show what he's made of. In, because his, in his third year, right? That's the year that coaches are always judged on. Like, you got your guys, right? I mean, Ethan Boyd, Gino Vandemark, Ashton Lepo, Braden Miller, Kevin Wigginton, these were all guys you brought in. Uh, so Gavin Brocious, right? Like, so you know, at a certain point, you got to expect that you're going to get some of these guys ready to come in and play. You know, I don't want to say like, we got to criticize this guy, but if this year is as bad as we saw at at Michigan state lines in the past, you, you, I think it's fair to call into question um, his reputation because you know, a lot of these are his guys that he brought in. So he's going to have to, to make a chicken salad out of, you know, what? (laughs) So yeah, this is the story for me going into spring ball. We mentioned a couple other spots we'll be keeping eyes on backup quarterback, wide receivers. Um, obviously, you want to see everybody, especially the new guys. But when you look at next season and what's going to make or break this team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I think it is the offensive line. Spring ball, we're going to get a look. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's time to uh, put your money where your mouth is essentially and, and start to see these guys develop. And uh, we're, we're going to find out one way or another. It's uh, it's certainly a fun story to watch. It could have a great or a terrible impact on the season, um, but I'm excited to see some of these youngsters. We've had kind of the same names circulating around for the most part around the offensive line the last couple of years, and we're going to get some fresh blood up there. So it's always exciting to see new guys come on the scene, um, and hopefully they will prove that they're ready to uh, to play Big Ten football. Yeah. So hopefully that was uh, productive for everybody. Again, like it's there's so much roster turnover now with the addition of the portal and everything. So hopefully this helps everybody just kind of reset where we're at as we head into spring ball in, in about a month or so. 
Next week, we'll be doing the same thing with the defense. Uh, probably will be a little bit less news in the program. So maybe we'll spend a little more time on each position group, but there's some fascinating storylines uh, across basically every position group on the defense that we'll talk about. So hope everybody enjoyed this week. We apologize dearly for the technical difficulties, which until I listen back to this before I post it, I have no idea what that's going to sound like because my Zoom meeting just ended and then turned right back on and started recording again. So I don't know how much of a delay there was or whatever. Um, we technical difficulties are part of the game. We're, we're trying to sort out new ways to do this, that we don't have to worry about it anymore. But, um, until then we're kind of stuck with these processes. So hope everybody enjoyed. We'll see you again next week. Uh, subscribe, share, tell your friends, all that fun stuff next week. We will be back with the defense. Hope everybody has a great week before then we'll talk to you soon. Go green white. Take care, folks. Thank you.